hard out here for a bit. Yeah. Happy Women's Day. <laughs> Way to be a woman. Way to go, ladies. Hey, ladies. Congrats. We've made it so far. Yeah. Or we have. So far. So far we've made it. We do Ooh. have the right to vote, so that's a good thing. We do. Some high school students may not believe it, but it's true. <laughs> Women suffrage happened. Yeah. Yeah. And we got the right to vote in 1920? 22? Something like that. Wow. You know, I'm pretty sure uh, neither of us would pass a uh, a citizenship test. <laughs> no. I would not. No. Because not at all. The way you were taught to learn things in school is just to cram, 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 and then take the test. And then, and then forget, forget all of it. That's just not important. My college degree is useless. Not just because it's an art history degree, but also because I forgot everything I learned. Same. Everything. Same, though. Yeah. So I paid $40,000 to forget everything. And you know what? Success. <laughs> it was a successful earning Success. of a degree. But you know, that's the thing. Now women can get degrees. Uh huh. Women can build bookshelves. <laughs> Kinda. Women. Women can. We did uh, build your bookshelf last um, two Friday. nights ago. Two nights yeah. ago. So yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I'm I'm looking at women's Women's Day today, and I'm like, we fucking did it, guys. Then you can go look at your bookshelf and be like, we've come a long way, baby. <laughs> oh my god, I just want to graffiti it with like, <laughs> you can do it posters and like Rosie the Riveter. Yeah. Rip a by the way. Oh. She uh. She died. The original Rosie the Riveter. Like recently? Yes. Like last week. Oh. D- uh, rest in peace, Rosie. Yeah. Damn, I did not know that. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe it's still just hard out here for a bitch, though. It's still hard out here for a bitch. Still hard out here for a bitch. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Rocky, Andy. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> your weekly podcast, bringing you sweet treats from the world of music. And we're your lady hosts. I'm Maggie. <laughs> I'm Ashley. And we are continuing our coverage of Women's History Month Mm -hmm. with more women. More ladies. Because that's what we're doing. We're talking about women. More stories. We probably don't talk about them enough. Yeah. And taking an entire month probably isn't enough. We should do more. However, if the men realize we can shapeshift, they'll tell the church. They'll tell the church and they will burn us. (laughs) Yes. They will burn us at the stake. Yes. Yes. Today's subject, I actually... I'm going to be honest, I don't know shit about today's subject. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Billie Holiday. Yes. Um, And I suppose I should say now that there should be a trigger warning hmm. with this. Completely unironically, there should be a trigger warning. Because oh every bad thing we've ever talked about on this podcast yeah. is in this episode. Oh. So, buckle up. If you're sensitive to certain things, you might want to skip. That's okay. fine. That's fine. Like we understand, but like, but sensitive also li- to just like violence and violence, substance abuse, domestic abuse, prostitution, rape, uh, everything. Wow. Okay. We are. This is. Wow. We're we're at a hundred and. 50% here. This is platinum status category yeah. right here. Yeah, platinum, platinum, uh, oof. Platinum oof. <laughs> platinum oof. All right. Get ready for an upsetting episode? Yeah, it is. Huh. Well, last week, I know, last week's upsetting too. Do we guys, have we've any... had it rough. It's guys, hard out here, here for a bitch. bitch. <laughs> it is though. We're not kidding. <laughs> we mean it. Yeah. It's especially difficult for bitches of color. Yeah. So 
yeah, this story has it all. Oh my god. Well, I'm prepared to be upset. Yeah. Gird your loins. It's going to be a hot one. Well, it's a hot one. <laughs> but it's certainly not smooth. Oh, sure. no. <laughs> and you know what also is not smooth? Oh, our beer. Oh. I mean, it's fine. It, so, it, yeah. It, it, we we kind of had to struggle for a beer this week. Yeah. Because I ran out to go get it, and I, again, didn't have a ton to work with as far as knowing the story, so. Yeah, and I, I biffed it and forgot to get beer, and then I was working. By the time I got off of work, everything was going to be closed. Because so it's I had, Lord's Day. Because it is the Lord's Day, and the Lord don't drink. That sounds like I had a to... God problem. <laughs> That's God's problem. Not That's much. Jesus Christ mess up. Yeah. <laughs> I need science to fix that shit. Yeah. I mean, science did fix that shit, but nobody wants to listen. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I dumped the task of getting beer off to you, and I apologize. I mean, <laughs> but I, I gave you I suggestion. smacked it, and I <laughs> went with one of your suggestions. Yeah, which was our last resort. Oh, we Papa roached it. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah. You didn't even God smack it. We Papa roached it. Yeah, we really did, though. So we're drinking Blue Moon Mango Wheat. Oh. Because she does sing Blue Moon. Yeah, she sings Blue Moon and also one of her... Something Moonlight is a song. Basically everything that has to do with moon, moonlight, moon glow, she sang it. Nice. She likes her moons. She does. Um, She also is famous for a song called Strange Fruit. So there we have Mango. Wasn't that Nina Simone? I told you. (laughs) Oh, I didn't read it. (laughs) So... Billie Holiday did Strange Fruit originally, and Nina Simone covered it. But Nina also became very popular for her version of the song. Right. Yeah. It's it's Blue Moon, guys. It's Blue Moon, and it just it mostly tastes like mango juice. It tastes exactly like mango juice. Oh, it has given my mouth sweaters. I told you. That's why I'm not drinking it. Uh, I'm drinking double time for both of us. It's fine. I want you to be double fisting it this whole episode. Fine. I'll do it. Oh my god. I might need to, right? Because it's that upsetting of an episode. Yeah, you might. And it's what, like 4%? So you're probably going to have to drink a lot to feel better. I don't want to drink that much Blue Moon. Yeah, nobody does. Oof. No offense to anyone who likes Blue Moon. That's fine. If you like Blue Moon... It's fine. Okay, let's not talk about this garbage beer anymore. Yeah, this, it's I, we've already spent way too much time talking about this garbage beer, to be honest. Yeah, that's all right, though, because this is probably going to be a shorter than average episode. So Okay. So let's get into it. All right. We'll talk a little bit about Billie Holiday. Let's talk about Ms. Holiday. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go on a holiday. Celebrate. Let's celebrate Billie Holiday. Okay. All right. <laughs> Billie Holiday was born on April 7th, 1915. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with the name Eleonora Fagan, sharing a last name with her mother, Sadie. Her father was Clarence Holliday, a jazz musician who abandoned Sadie and Billy shortly after her birth. Okay. Rad dad. So, starting off with rad dad. Great. Sadie was evicted from her parents' home after becoming pregnant at age 19. Rad parents. Rad parents. With no support from her parents or Billy's father, Sadie moved to Baltimore, Maryland to live with her half-sister. Things didn't come easy at all for Sadie or Billy, and Billy's childhood was beyond difficult. For the most part, Sadie was an absentee parent. 
She worked what were called transportation jobs. Oh. Which meant she worked long hours on passenger railroads. Oh. Woof. So I'm assuming that meant she was probably like a waitress or a cleaning lady on the train. Yeah. And took long trips on on trains like overnight and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Probably just those ones that might even go like halfway across the country or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Those are tough. That meant Billy was left in the care of her paternal grandmother, Martha Miller. Without much supervision, Billy rebelled. A big part of that was getting really into jazz music. How, How dare she? dare she? Jazz. The devil's music. Yeah. Her mother refused to let Billy listen to jazz, believing that it was the devil's music. Hold on. Just wait till she hears new metal, though. <laughs> Just wait till Billy's Papa roaching it all over town. <laughs> she doesn't like jazz. You're not going to like where music goes from there, sweetie. Have you heard of this thing called rap rock? Oof. Let's have Fred Durst tell you all about it. It's hey. just one of them days. <laughs> I just want to listen to jazz. <laughs> but anyway, getting her to stop listening to jazz was a futile effort. Jazz was everywhere, and to get her fix, Billy would go to the local brothel where the ladies would play jazz on their gramophone for her. Oh, that's like adorably delinquent. Yeah. I love it. She goes to the brothel, but just to listen to the music. Right? It's and kind like, of like reading Playboy for the articles. But like, she's actually like, no, I'm very interested. They have great writers. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like that the older ladies, they were like, yeah, we'll accommodate you. You want to hear yeah. some jazz? Here hey, you go. Hey, kid, you want to hear some jazz? Hey kid, I got some jazz music for you. You want to come in and listen? Yeah. Okay, okay then. <laughs> Just sits next to a gramophone and swinging her jazz. legs on the chair. Oh, sitting on a stool. Aww. Oh, again, adorably delinquent. Yeah. This rebellious stage led Billy skip to, led to Billy skipping school a lot, which then led to truancy charges against her. She was brought to court in January 1925 when she was only nine years old. And she was forced to go to a Catholic reform school called the House of the Good Shepherd. How about the house of go fuck yourself? <laughs> like, really, we're doing this truancy bullshit to people of color even back in the 20s? Oh, of course we were. Yeah. Mm. You answered your own question. Mm, yeah, I did. So the House of the Good Shepherd was not a good place. You don't Surprise, say. surprise. It was well known as a place where harsh punishment was doled out for the smallest infractions. She was only there for nine months before she was allowed out, joining with her mother, who had by now opened a restaurant called the East Side Grill. Ooh, that sounds tasty. Sounds like a nice diner. I bet they have really good waffles. Maybe some pancakes. Ooh. Instead of going back to school, Billy worked long hours at the restaurant alongside her mom. By age 11, she dropped out of school completely. Wow, that's... To think about, like, an 11-year-old being like, I don't need this school bullshit. Yeah, I'm working at this restaurant. Fuck it. This is where my my big money's gonna roll in. But also too, what is this? The the twenties? Twenties, yeah. So yeah, I mean kinda checks what was education back then. Yeah. But then again, can you imagine going into a restaurant and seeing an eleven year old behind the counter going, What can it get you? But that was pretty common back then, wasn't it? I, I I thought there were labor laws by now, but I guess not. I don't think they were strict labor laws. Yes. I don't think anybody was really looking. But also, then again they brought they sent her to a reform school for truancy, like Come on. Come on. She's just listening to some jazz music. <laughs> some jazz flute. 
At this point, her life was difficult at best, but it was about to get much worse. Oh, no. That's not how you're supposed to continue with <laughs> Sorry. this butt. That's how it's going to go from here on out. I don't like it. When she was 10 years old, Billy was violently raped by a neighbor. He was a 40-year-old man that she kind of knew, and he convinced her that her mom sent him to pick her up, and Billy needed to come with him right away. Billy complied, but it was all a lie. He was caught but given a pretty lenient sentence. I'm sure. Yeah. Meanwhile... It's okay to rape children in the 20s. Apparently. Meanwhile, Billy was punished far more severely because at this time, in the 1920s, rape was seen as the woman's fault, even if that woman was a 10-year-old girl that did nothing wrong. I'm gonna flip everything in this room. <laughs> I told I'm you. I'm gonna put it back up. Yeah. And I'm going to flip it again. And set it on fire. I mean, I want to set someone on fire. Yeah. I'm someone not should be sent on, set on fire. Somebody needs to be set on fire for this. That's disgusting. Yep. Billy was deemed rebellious and out of control. And full blame for the rape was put on her. She was sent right back to the house of the Good Shepherd. And it was even worse than the first time she was there. I mean, didn't you see the bloomer she was wearing? She hasn't even had her period yet. She was totally asking to be raped. Her ankles were showing. My God. This is definitely her fault. Oh, yeah. For being a child. For being such a a sexy child. (gasps) Like, don't touch kids. Period. Like, all of our rules are are in this story. Oh, I'm gonna. All of them are. Yeah. I'm gonna have to clean up this room so many times. (laughs) Yeah, the nuns at the House of the Good Shepherd this time around basically tried to scare her straight by torturing her. They would scare the shit out of her by locking her in vaults with dead bodies and other fucked up shit she didn't deserve. What? Yeah. Where are they getting dead bodies from? Well, it was like a like a reform school that had like... Dead bodies just chilling? I assume that there was a cemetery there too and they had bodies they and vaults. Would they dig up like... Dead bodies? Like, hey. No, like the mausoleums and stuff. They have the dead bodies in there. So we're in there with the dead bodies. What are you even teaching her? You're going to die someday. We're all going to die someday, bitch. Yeah. Hey, she's 10 years old. May as well let her know now. I have no idea what this did. They they were just fucking sadistic. I'm going to set them on fire. Nuns on fire. (laughs) <laughs> rolling down the road <laughs> <laughs> if you keep torturing these kids i'm gonna lose my mind and then i'm gonna go and set nuts on fire <laughs> there we go that's, that's good perfect. that made me feel a little better right. if you can't burn them sing it sing about burning them <laughs> a year later when she was around 12 years old she left the school and went to live with her mother who is now in harlem new york by now, her mother was working as a prostitute in a brothel. Wait, what happened in the restaurant? It didn't work out. Because come to find out, her mom doesn't know how to fucking manage money. Oh. We'll get to that later. Oh. Billy found her own place there in the brothel, running errands for the madam and scrubbing marble steps for the wealthier people of New York City. And once again, is Billy- she just like some decantian street urchin? Basically, yeah. This is- Ugh. Okay. Once again, Billy's life took a turn for the worse in 1929 when she was barely 14 years old. Soon enough, Billy's mother was pimping her own daughter out for five bucks a trick. Essentially, Billy was being raped daily for money at the behest of her own mother. 
just gonna leave now i don't I need to be here this. for the rest of this i'm done I'm done with this story that's wow billy's mom yeah are we setting her on fire too we can we're gonna who fucking pimps out their own kid yeah it's fucking garbage that's disgusting yeah and it's no wonder then that billy begins to self-medicate alcohol was her drug of choice at this time but eventually it turned to hard drugs it wasn't drugs, though, that the cops were looking for when they raided the brothel in May 1929. I'm sorry, what were they looking for? It was a brothel. It was illegal. Oh, right. <laughs> All of it was illegal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Quite right. Both Billy and her mother were arrested for prostitution. Sadie was released a couple months later, but Billy wasn't released until October. Billy is a fucking child. Yeah. Who was forced into prostitution. Yeah. What? And she was arrested for it. And she served a longer sentence than her mother. Who put her yep. in prostitution? Am I taking crazy pills? <laughs> Am I actually taking crazy no, pills? No, this story makes you feel like you're going fucking crazy. Because it's like... <laughs> Am I the only person that sees this? I'm sorry, no one else sees this. No, no, no. no I'm me? Okay, it's just me then. Right. All right, cool. It's, just, it's me. Cool, cool. It was around when she got out of prison that Billy began singing in clubs. Jazz had always been in her bones, despite her mom trying to get it out of her. I mean, like, but also, like, good for you, Billy. Yeah, Show your it. mom what's fucking up by just yeah. singing jazz. Piss your mom off. And it was something she was good at and could make money from. Good. Eleanor Fagan wasn't the best stage name, so she changed it to something more interesting. Her favorite actress at the time was Billy Dove, so she lifted her first name and took her father's last name, becoming Billie Holiday for the first time. But also, like, jabbed to her mom, like, fuck you, I'm taking dad's name. <laughs> well, I mean, her dad wasn't any better. No, but you know what? Didn't sell her into prostitution. Had the decency to just fucking leave. Just abandon her. <laughs> I don't know what's... No, I think selling into prostitution's worse. It might be. Yeah. Billy was not the star of the show, however, but was just the girl singer. Yep. This oh my God. Yeah, remember, this was the early 1930s. Nothing was integrated, even in New York City. No matter how good of a singer she was, she would still be relegated to second best. That changed in 1932 when she was 17 years old. She replaced singer Manette Moore at a club named Coven's, and it was here that producer John Hammond first heard her sing. He was so impressed with Billy that he arranged her recording debut. Hmm. At age 18, she recorded and released two songs with legendary band leader Benny Goodman. Oh, shit. Known as the King of Swing. Yeah. The songs were Your Mother's Son-in-Law and Riffin' the Scotch. Not gonna lie. Thought you were gonna say your mother sucks. Because <laughs> she does. Because her mother sucks. Because her mother sucks. That <laughs> would have been more appropriate. It would have been. Uh, the latter song, Riffin' the Scotch, became her first hit, selling 5,000 copies, which doesn't sound like a lot, but at the time it was huge. Okay. She thoroughly impressed John Hammond and Benny Goodman, who commended her ability to sound like a jazz instrument. This was mm. especially meaningful to her, as she always said she strove to sound the way Louis Armstrong played his trumpet. Oh. I think she just wanted to sound like a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> that now i just sound like a weird weird theremin trombone yes! it sounds like a theremin trombone <laughs> which isn't real it's but not, i want well, it to be now it can be now Ooh. somebody make that tm theremin trombone you can make it but credit <laughs> yeah. us we get all the royalties from that 
just like I'd take 20 bucks from your one sale of the one theremin trombone you make. Yeah, that you probably had to spend a thousand dollars to make. Oh, easily. Yeah. Forget trying to learn to play it. <laughs> that That's the impossible part. Because of the success of her first two recorded songs, she was signed to Brunswick... I cannot say this. Brunswick Records. Brunswick? Yeah. Brunswick, Brunswick Records. <laughs> I cannot say... <laughs> Brunswick Wackles. Brunswick Wackles. You won't believe what happens at Brunswick <laughs> Wackles. Here she recorded What a Little Moonlight Can Do, which became a very popular record and eventually a jazz standard. Jazz standard. It was so popular that Billy effectively got Brunswick out of the red because before she came along, they were about to go bankrupt. Oh, shit. She saved them. She did. Through 1937 and 38, Billy sang in the legendary Count Basie's band. Mm. It was a little different being a big band singer instead of a jazz singer, but Billy nailed it. Her recordings with Count Basie included the hit Summertime, which is a great song, but unfortunately, most people our age probably know it better as part of a Sublime song. Yeah. So I took a Gershwin class in college, uh -huh. and I studied a lot of Gershwin music. Including Summertime. And that was from Porgy and Bess. Yes. And you know what's a gorgeous song? Summertime. summertime. You know what's not a good song? Sublime. Sublime. Summer. It's called it's summertime. summertime by Sublime. But it's not good. No. And you know what's even worse? You know what's even worse? What? Lana Del Rey's cover of it. Oh. Wait. What? What? Yeah. What? Oh, that's a thing. Look it up. I just threw open my mouth a little she bit. She did, though. It drooled a little bit. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said Lana Del Rey barfed in her mouth when she was singing it. It's probably what That's it is. That's kind of what she sounds like when she sings, guys. Honestly. Look, I like, like, maybe four Lana Del Rey songs. And you gotta be in a mood for oh, Lana yeah. Del Rey songs. I can't do that, like, mumble singing. I like, have to, I'm like... I'm so sleepy, but She's I'm so singing. sleepy. She's so sleepy, and guys. Sad. Guys, she's so tired. <laughs> Those amphetamines. Yeah. She she just gets so tired, like, drawing out her winged eyeliner for, yeah. like, five it hours. so long. So long. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. That was a Lana Del Rey <laughs> tangent. Everything wasn't exactly... Mm. What? What? No. The Sublime song is called Do in Time. Uh, that makes it even worse. Yeah. Double fist them blue moons. <laughs> <laughs> Everything wasn't exactly great with Count Basie's band, however, and she was fired for reasons that are a bit unclear. Hmm. Some band members claimed she was unprofessional and unreliable, and this could have been because of her growing alcohol and drug problems. Oh. It's almost like she had a really upsetting past that she's trying to forget. It's almost like drugs and alcohol are her therapy. Hmm. Although this is the 30s. We don't do therapy. Mm -mm. You got like what another like eighty years before therapy is suggested and condoned. And honestly, in POC communities, therapy still isn't really that no, accepted. Right. So yeah, double whammy. I know. Either way, she wasn't out of work for long. She was hired by Artie Shaw to join his band, a revolution at the time, considering his band consisted of all white musicians. It was here that she encountered more racism than ever. Oh, I bet. You don't say. That is not a surprise. She eventually quit the band in 1938 
having gotten completely fed up with being treated like she was subhuman compared to her white bandmates. She was often forced to come and go from clubs through the kitchen and wasn't allowed to sit at the, sit at the bar. Ugh. At one show, she had to be escorted off stage after losing it on a patron that called her a racist slur. <sighs> Yay, 1930s. I. That's gross. But also, fucking white people. Like, honestly, fuck us. We're the worst. Yeah. yeah. Like, I get it why you don't like us. We are the worst. (laughs) And one gig at the Lincoln Hotel, she was told she had to use the, the service elevator after hotel patrons complained about a black woman using the regular elevator. I'm sorry. There is a black woman. Using the elevator. Excuse me, excuse excuse me, me, sir. Excuse me. Sir, sir. My name is Karen. I'm in room 308. <laughs> I need and to I speak need to, to, to your manager. manager. <laughs> there is a black woman. There is a black woman. <laughs> God. Fuck Karen. You know Fucking a Karen. Karen. You know it was a Karen. Always a Karen. Apologies to any cool Karens out there. <laughs> Shortly after this incident, she quit Artie Shaw's band. She could afford to quit. By now, she had a contract with Vocation Records and a couple of successful singles, and she went back to New York to perform at a premier club called Cafe Society, an, oh. <laughs> an integrated club owned by Barney Josephson in Greenwich Village. Oh, okay. This checks. Her performances at Cafe Society put Billy solidly on the map. People came to the club just to see her perform, and she had control over her entire repertoire. Oh, that's amazing. Despite the fact that she wasn't well-known, wasn't professionally trained, and couldn't read music, she was well-respected amongst the musician crowd because she knew exactly how she wanted music to sound Mm -hmm. and wouldn't entertain any other ideas. But that's... She just had an ear. Yeah, she she did. She knew. And, like, there are people who are just... They suck at reading music, but they know what it's supposed to sound like, and that's... And Just she as good. had so much emotion connected to what she was singing oh, that bet. that mattered far more than being able to read music. Of course. She'll figure it out. She's smart. She's tough. Yeah. And she was usually right. She was so well respected that she became known by the regal nickname of Lady Day. Lady Day. Why Day? Holiday. Oh. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. It was during her tenure at Cafe Society that Barney Josephson brought her the song Strange Fruit. And you may, as you mentioned earlier, you, you may remember me talking about this when we did our Nina Simone episode. But it wasn't Nina Simone that did it first. It was Billie Holiday. Things I didn't know. But things you know now. Yeah. And I'll forget it because I drink too much alcohol. <laughs> and we're old. That, too. Look, it's hard to hold on to everything in my brain. We need a significant amount of space for 80 song lyrics. I mean, we're really good at that, though. Strange Fruit was actually a poem sent to music by Abel Mirapol, a.k.a. Lewis Allen, a Jewish school teacher from the Bronx. It was a gut-wrenching description of the lynching of black men and women in the South painting a haunting picture of dead bodies as fruit hanging from trees. Yeah, I remember talking about this. It's it it's a gut puncher. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Just go google the poem, google the lyrics and uh it's rough. It really opens your eyes and makes you connect to that era, I guess. Yeah. A little bit. It's only 3 verses, but oh. holy shit. 
It's a powerful three verses. It very much is. Billy wasn't sure what to do with the song. She really liked it, but was afraid its powerful anti-lynching message would anger people and cause them to retaliate. Cool. <laughs> because people did that. Ugh. Never- Great. <laughs> yeah, right? Great. Good job, guys. Nevertheless, Barry convinced her to sing it, but they devised a way to perform it that not only made people feel its powerful message, but lessened the likelihood of retaliatory racist attacks. What they did was make waitstaff stop service just before the song started. The venue would go dark except for a single light on Billy's face, and she would insist on total silence before singing. The power of the song's message was so strong that they wanted people to sit and ruminate on the message, so she would end her sets with the song and not do any encores. All right, that's a fucking message right there. Yeah. The song became immensely popular in the club, so she decided to record it. But her new label, Columbia, refused to release it, assuming it wouldn't be a hit. Hmm. They also feared what retailers in the South would say about it. Yeah, I mean, you know I those you know those guys in the South are going to be like, I'm sorry, we're not allowed to lynch black people anymore? Yeah, I don't think them white people really want a black lady being like, mm, but lynching's bad. Can you not lynch us, please? Yeah. Okay, we're going to keep doing this, all right. Undeterred, Billy brought it to a smaller independent label called Commodore, who released it in 1939. The song eventually sold over one million copies, becoming Billy's biggest selling hit. And the people who didn't take it kicked themselves in the nuts thoroughly. They should have. Yeah. Yeah. And we will find out what happens next. After a little commercial break. Oh, let's get some more of these delicious beers. These nice blue moons. Now we're probably just going to switch it up. It's fine. Yeah. We'll be right back. And we're back. And we're back. (laughs) Welcome. Let's continue talking about Billy, though. Yeah. Let's get on this Billy. It's Billy Holiday. Yeah. Not surprisingly, despite how much strange fruit was selling, Billy was told time and again from club own- owners to not sing the song at her gigs. Huh. Was- <laughs> no that. way. It was not a time for political songs, especially one that paints such a horrible, vivid picture of lynchings. That are definitely happening mm-hmm. and need to stop. And it makes everyone so uncomfortable that you talk about it. You're real <laughs> Debbie Downer, Billy. <laughs> She was singing to mostly white audiences, and white people did not want to watch a black woman singing a song condemning white supremacy. You know, Even in northern states, they didn't really like it. You know, you know what's weird? Yeah. Still doing it. Yeah, yeah, they're still doing it. Still a thing. White people still hate being told that they're racist. Yeah, except you're probably racist. You're probably racist. Yeah. The 1940s were a turning point for Billy. She married James Monroe in 1941. Okay. But that relationship quickly fizzled out with accusations of infidelity on both sides. Oh, okay. With Billy taking a lover named Joe Guy. Hey. Joe. Hey, Joe Guy. Hey. Hey, is that Joe Guy? <laughs> <laughs> but is that Joe Guy, though? It just sounds like such a fake name. It has to be a fake. So, There's no way Joe Guy is So what's enough. your name? Joe Guy. (laughs) Yeah, Joe Guy. I'm Joe Guy. I'm Joe Guy. But is that Joe Guy, though? That's that's, Joe Guy? That's Joe Guy. That's Joe Guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's not my guy. That's Joe Guy. 
That's probably <laughs> she just started calling him that because somebody was just like, "No, nah, that's Joe Guy." That's Joe Guy. She's <laughs> like, "Oh, your name's Joe Guy," and he's like, eh, sure. "Sure, why not?" Yeah, we bowed in. Great. My name is whatever you want it to be. It's Joe Guy. Yep. She and James eventually divorced in 1947, but not before James introduced Billy to smoking opium, which she quickly became addicted to. Rad. Cool. That's a fun time. Rad boyf. What? Rad boyf. Rad, Rad boyfriend. Boy. Oh. It was boyf. I, I Short see. For boyfriend. I, don't, I don't know if I like that. And girlf for girlfriend. It just sounds like weird vomit sounds. <laughs> boyf and girlf. <laughs> totally gonna boyf. Oh, man. I'm gonna girf real hard. <laughs> After all these whiskeys I'm drinking. If you're going to girlf, girlf into this. this. <laughs> yeah. Aside from Joe Guy, Billy had numerous affairs with well-known Hollywood types of the era. Ooh. She was linked to Orson Welles and even to Lula Bankhead, an actress what? known for her blunt attitude, smoking 126 cigarettes a day and dating both men and women. So while that's interesting... You know what's a little more interesting to me is that I didn't think Orson Welles liked to fuck. <laughs> but apparently Orson Welles likes to fuck. Maybe they just had an emotional affair. Nah, they fucked. Nah, they fucked. She was like, yo, tell me about time travel. And he's like, I'll show you time travel with this dick. <laughs> and that's how that went. I am going to write Billie Holiday Orson Welles fan fiction. You can call it my dick will send you into the next dimension. Yes. <laughs> All right, I am not only right. writing a fan fiction, I'm writing a porn, apparently. Yeah, this is just a porn. I'm hanging. just writing a porn. <laughs> I mean, you could try and say it's slash fiction, but it's not really. I mean, most fan fiction's porn, yeah, let's be honest. it's true. Billy stayed with Commodore Records through 1944, recording hits like I'll Be Seeing You and Embraceable You. Oh. In the meantime, Billy's mother, Sadie, opened another restaurant called Mom Holidays with Billy's money and funds she procured by playing dice with Count Basie's band. I'm giving a look right now because, Sadie's first a real, of all... Sadie's a real cool cat. Sadie's really going to get set on fire. She's something. She's a thing. She's a person who lived. Not a good one. And she happened. That happened. Yep. Turns out... Mom wasn't very good with money. Oh, no shit. She was constantly borrowing money from Billy, quote unquote, for the restaurant. Oh, my God. But never paid Billy back. You don't say. It put a huge strain on Billy's wallet, causing her to almost become destitute herself. One day, she marched into the restaurant and demanded money from her mother, who flat out refused to give her any. Billy yelled, God bless the child that got his own, and stomped off. And this reportedly inspired her song, God Bless the Child, becoming another hit for the singer. That hopefully her mom didn't see any of the money from. Hopefully not. Actually, no, she didn't because she died in 1945. You know what? I'm going to say it. Good. Hmm. She one, wasn't a very good lady. One less burden on Billy's back. Yeah. Despite her tumultuous and contentious relationship with her mother, Billy's grief over her death was strong. Her drinking escalated, and her boyfriend at the time, Joe Guy, made the terrible mistake of introducing her to heroin. For the love of animals, yeah. great and small, <laughs> are you shitting me? Yeah. From then on, Billy abused alcohol and drugs interchangeably. Rad. Cool. Thanks, Joe Guy. He's a real fucking Joe Guy, isn't he? He is a real fucking Joe Guy. Yeah. And still, Billy continued to work. She appeared in the film New Orleans, opposite Louis Armstrong, 
but both of their roles were reduced so as not to give the impression that black people invented jazz because racism. Yeah. Billy was reportedly a pain in the ass on set. And that oh, was... is it because she was a woman in black? I mean, yeah, but also a raging heroin addict. I know. With a shitty abusive boyfriend. I know. <laughs> but also, like, there's a reason. Yeah. That all of this happened. And her mother just died. She was weirdly codependent with an abusive, an emotionally and mentally abusive mother. And she didn't know how to process any of this shit. And everybody that was, quote unquote, helping her in her life was a piece of shit that was just trying to manipulate her. Yep. So, yeah, she she was a pain in the ass. It's like, I wish I did have a time machine, but I would just go back in time not to fuck people. I would go back in time to, like, slap all these people in the face. But what is actually wrong with you? Yeah. She was a pain in the ass. Mostly due to her alarming addiction to heroin. Mm. She was getting paid around $1,000 a week for the movie, and she spent most of it on drugs that Joe Guy was supplying to her. Eventually, Joe was banned from the set when Billy's manager found out what he was doing. Well, good. I'm glad somebody had the sense to say, oh, no, this can't happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what his intentions were. If they were him looking out for... Billy, because I didn't read anything else about her manager looking out for her. Or if he was just like, I'm making money off of this, too. So you need to get your ass together Mm. and finish this fucking movie. Maybe a bit of both. Maybe. I would like to think that somebody gave a shit. Had it out for her and gave a shit. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. By 1947, Billy was consistently ranked as one of the best female singers working at the time. At the same time, she was constantly harassed by narcotics agents. Oh. One agent in particular, Harry Anslinger, was hell-bent on taking her down. So is this like the Javert to her Jean Valjean? It's a musical reference. I don't know what you're talking about. But you did because you said it was a musical reference. I know who Jean Valjean is. Kind of. I know the name. I don't know. Who played him in the movie? Hugh Jackman. Okay. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Hugh Jackman. (laughs) But also, it was a book first. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Victor Hugo. I tried to read it when I was a kid because I loved the musical. I was like, oh, no. This is very different. Nope. (laughs) Big nope-a-roni on that one. So, Anslinger was a particularly cruel man that took over the Department of Prohibition just as alcohol prohibition was ending. And just because alcohol became legal again doesn't mean drugs did also. No. He was basically the head of the first war on drugs. Rad. So this, he was like after George H.W. Bush before George H.W. Bush yeah. could walk. Yeah. Or Reagan. Didn't Reagan start the war on drugs? I don't know. They're all terrible. Uh, they're all fucking... They're, they're all the same. I don't they're know. All, they're all... the pieces of shit who are like um i hate black people and i want to arrest them at a higher rate but this is the end of prohibition is basically the reason why drugs became so awful right because you know they allowed alcohol to be legal again so drugs had to be the real fucking bad guy yeah and you know the two things that anslinger hated the most in this world were black people and drug addicts Guess what Billy was? Both. 
Yay, Anslinger. Feel real good about yourself and your fucking corpse as you're rotting. Wow, I hate this man. Can we call him Ass Flicker instead? What's his What's his name? Anslinger. You can call him Ass Slicker or Ass Slinger. Ass Slinger. Ass Slinger. No, I like Ass Slicker. Ass Licker. Ass Licker. There There we go. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) Ass Slicker couldn't just up and arrest her for being black and using drugs. Oh, you can't? I'm pretty sure you can. You probably can. But he needed to catch her in the act. So he got sneaky. He hired a guy named Jimmy Fletcher to follow Billy, befriend her, and document her drug use. And Jimmy did exactly as he as he was told. Gross. But he also fell in love with Billy. But I'm also in love with her. <laughs> Whatever. Aww. They began a relationship, but Billy eventually found out he was a narc. <gasps> Jimmy Fletcher still did his duty despite his love for Billy. Oh, come on, Jimmy. But Asslicker was still pissed that he flubbed it. so asslicker ramped it up to 11 and declared that billy could no longer sing the song strange fruit at her performances you can't tell an artist what they can and can't sing but she's black and he is white he can tell her anything he wants i'm setting him on fire yep she did anyway because fuck that good for you billy which asslicker knew she'd do he used that as an excuse to conduct a raid on her apartment Ugh. where she was arrested for narcotics possession. Billy was brought before the court on May 16th, 1947. No one showed up to help her, not even her lawyer. She what? was extremely sick while in court, possibly going through withdrawal, withdrawal, and pleaded guilty and asked to be taken to the hospital. Oh no. She was sentenced to a year and a day at the Alderson Federal Prison Camp in West Virginia and remained devastated at Jimmy Fletcher's betrayal. Oh, but Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy! You really fucking loved her. Son of a bitch. For his part, he felt guilt and regret for his actions for the rest of his life, as he should. Yeah. And thankfully, Billy was let out early in March 1948 for good behavior. Yeah, because she just... She was addicted to drugs. Yeah. Just fucking help her. Yeah. Nobody wanted to help her. They just wanted to throw her in prison. What the actual fuck? Because racism. And, like, sexism. Yeah. All of the above, basically. Because, like, I'm not saying black men had it. Black men still had it terrible. But I I think that black men musicians in that time were treated slightly better than women. Yeah. Like, slightly. Not, like, I'm not trying to say, like... Hey, they were held up and, like, they were kings. They weren't. Right. But I think, like, in general, it seemed that they were slightly more respected. Yeah. They were allowed to do a little bit more. I mean, granted, they were still seen as subhuman. Oh, yeah. But But they were almost, like, subhuman that, like, you could tolerate. But a black female was sub-subhuman. Yeah. It was disgusting. Unfortunately, while she was in prison, her cabaret license lapsed, and Anslinger made sure no one would give her a new one. You need a license to cabaret? Yes. Do you still need a license to cabaret? No. Good, I don't because think so. like I I don't know what I have to do to get that license. <laughs> and I, 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 don't I think want so. I don't want my cabaret dreams to be crushed. It was something that they decided to do after Prohibition ended oh. to get the quote unquote um unsavory people from playing music in clubs do you, do you mean black people for the most part but they, they did give some black people cabaret licenses were they black men 
<laughs> well, she had one. Billy oh, had that's one. That's true. That's true. Until she didn't. Until she didn't. And then Anslinger made it impossible for her to get a new one. This fucking guy. Yeah. Who who are his children? They're probably <laughs> who, still alive. Who are his ancestors? I want to We need that. names. I need names. And I we need... need matches and lighter fluid and This is how we get put on a list, you know. <laughs> if we're not on that list already, I don't know what we have to do to get on it. You're right. You're right. We've threatened to burn down a lot of things. So yeah. TLC has been a positive influence. <laughs> it on us. really has. Thank you, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. So since she didn't have since her cabaret license lapsed, that meant that when she got out of prison, she couldn't legally perform anywhere that sold alcohol. Her main source of income was playing gigs at clubs that did serve alcohol. So she was basically forced into destitution. Testitution? Testitution, yeah. Destitution. Okay. That didn't stop her from participating in her biggest show yet. She secured a gig at Carnegie Hall. One Hell of, yes. One of the most prestigious venues in, in the country. And I understand it's Carnegie Hall, but I say Carnegie Hall. Everyone says Carnegie Hall. Everyone in New York says Carnegie Hall. Everyone everywhere else says Carnegie Hall. Hey. I'm like, that sounds stupid. How do you get into Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. I'm going to set you on fire. Please. I want to <laughs> set myself point, on fire. At this point, we're going to wicker man ourselves. All 2,700 tickets were sold and her Holy performance shit. was hailed as her greatest yet. And that led to a Broadway show called Holiday on Broadway, which again sold out. Hell yeah. Because she's amazingly talented. Yeah. Yeah, that. For fuck's sake. <laughs> But Ass Licker was still up to his old bullshit. Why? Old bullshit Ass Licker. Like, honestly, though, he is. What is his yeah. fucking just... I don't know what his what? deal is. I don't know. This Billy Holiday just vexed him so much. He is the Jean Valjean. Or, I'm sorry, he is the Javert to her Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. You know what? It's a... Totally adequate reference. I believe you. Blame so, this is a good musical. <laughs> anyway, he sent another guy, Colonel George White, to again follow Billy. Hmm. At this time, she was trying really hard to get sober and would go months at a time without drinking or doing drugs. And that wasn't good news for the guy trying to bust her. So it's speculated that White planted drugs on her so he could bust her. I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> She's not doing anything. She's not hurting anybody. She is merely Absolutely performing nobody. and being successful. You could just not pay attention. It's the, what, 1950s at this point? Oh, uh, no, it's 1940s. Oh, we're still in the 40s. Yeah. You know what? Social media is not a thing. You can ignore shit so easy back then. As long as you didn't go to clubs, you could very easily ignore Billie Holiday. And let's be honest, Ass Licker didn't go to clubs. No. He had too much up that ass that was getting licked. She was again arrested for narcotic possession, but she was acquitted of all the charges this time. Because they were planted. Yes. Motherfuckers. All of this was too much for Billie, and she starts kind of a binge and purge cycle that lasts mm. for years. And in those years, she's arrested numerous times. She also dates a string of abusive and manipulative men who take advantage of her fame and any money she might manage to make. I just feel like she gets there, 
somebody fucks her over for no reason. She's Paula she Abdul and fucking cool scat cat. To- Two steps forward. But like 50 steps back. 50 steps back. Yeah. Like, then she's just about to be like, all right, things are good now. I'm going to, oh, no, we're going back down. Great. Cool. I'm just going to use alcohol and drugs to cope with this. And I can't say I blame her. If it's the only comfort she could figure out that she ever knew. Yeah, she's going to go back to that. I mean, she's in a time where women are barely respected. Black people really aren't. Yeah. And I shouldn't even say and women are. jazz aren't. singers, not really respected black either. black woman, yeah. jazz singer, she is the lowest form of human. Yeah. It's disgusting. By the 1950s, it was obvious that Billy's health was deteriorating. Yeah, because she's addicted to everything. Yeah. And she's also being just treated like human garbage. Yeah. Her hard living was wearing her down, even though she was only in her late 30s. Wow. It was a Hold s- up. Yeah. It was especially noticeable in her voice, which was still beautiful, but was now far more fragile. Mm. That didn't stop her from touring, though. She went on her first European tour in 1954, and it was a huge success. She then released her autobiography, Lady Sings the Blues, which was ghostwritten by William Dufty. Mm -hmm. It's now considered to be a very inaccurate account of Billie's life, even though Mm. it's supposed to be her own autobiography. As Dufty mostly put the book together through previous magazine interviews and a small handful of conversations he had with Billy. Oh, that's dodgy. Billy didn't even read the book before it was published. She didn't confirm anything. Uh, she didn't check anything. Hmm. And Billy continued her tragic streak of getting involved with terrible men, marrying Louis McKay in Mexico in 1957. The year before, the pair were busted for drug possession because nothing says let's get married quite like couples arrest warrants. Yay! And Louis McKay was a mafia enforcer, or really a wannabe mafia enforcer. Oh. They used Billy for his own gains. He was abusive and a drug addict, fueling Billy's own addictions that she struggled to control. Mm. He even wanted to use Billy's name to start a chain of vocal studios, presumably for his own gain. Vocal studios? Yeah, like where you can record vocals. Oh, okay. That's... And like probably take vocal lessons. Oh, okay. That's just an interesting, it's very spe- specified. Yeah. Huh. Well, he wanted to have her name attached to it. Because then everybody's going to exactly s- just flock to it. That makes sense. But also, fuck you. In 1959, Billy was diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver. Oh, God. Her doctor told her she had to stop drinking. And for a while, she did. But like every other time she tried to stop drinking and drugging, she relapsed. Mm -hmm. By now, she'd lost a lot of weight and worried her friends and colleagues. They begged her to go to the hospital, but she refused. She ended up not having a choice. She was rushed to the hospital in critical condition on May 31st, 1959, for treatment of cirrhosis and heart failure. Asslicker, who had been pursuing her this whole time. What the fuck, dude? Sees the opportunity to arrest her one more time. Are you shitting? As she lay dying in her hospital bed, he raided her hospital room for drugs and placed her under arrest. She was handcuffed to her bed and placed under police guard. How fucked up is that? Just let the dying woman be die in peace. Like, dude, she's going to die. 
what so like what are you what what like, kind of fucking satisfaction are you getting are you finally like jerking yourself off going yeah finally fucking got her like what why why are what you doing is, this? why is this the fucking hill you're dying wait what is his actual name again uh anslinger i really want to meet his descendants and be yeah. like so tell me how you feel about this man's actions yeah you think he was justified do you like hold him in high regards because i fucking wouldn't if this was my grandfather i'd be like Nah, you ain't it, bro. Yeah. You can go fuck yourself. You are a horrible person, and I am ashamed to share like, your name. if he was my grandfather, I'd shiv him. Oh, no. I would. I just want to stab him in the gut with a butter knife and make it fucking hurt. Like, at, at holidays, he'd go and reach for the butter, and you just stab him in the hand yeah. while he's reaching for it. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, do, are you dying? <laughs> do you do you want to be arrested while you're dying, Grandpa? <laughs> hey, Pops. I fucking hate this. I don't think I've hated anyone more. That we've talked about man. than this fucking man. He is the ultimate villain who is everything we rail against. I need to know if he ever fucking has his upcoming comeuppance. 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 Yeah. I, oh, we should look him up. Oh, we're looking this up. We'll give you guys updates. Oh, I fucking mm. fuck this guy. This fucking guy. But yeah, let that sink in. The last days of Billie Holiday were spent under arrest in a hospital room. She couldn't even for nothing. Pa- she couldn't even pass away peacefully because this Anslinger asshole was such a racist, vindictive piece of shit. And Billy officially passed away on July seventeenth, nineteen fifty nine, succumbing to a pulmonary edema and heart failure caused by liver d- disease. Yeah. In the end, her husband Louis McKay swindled her out of all of her money. Oh my god! Leaving her with only seventy cents in her bank account. It doesn't get better. <laughs> It, 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 uh, to the very end, it doesn't get better. And Louis McKay was put in charge of handling Billy's funeral and estate after her death. And his actions were nothing short of despicable. Everyone assumed Billy would be buried in New York's Woodlawn Cemetery, where other great jazz musicians like Duke Ellington and Miles Davis were buried. But they would be wrong. Louis McKay instead had his wife buried at St. Raymond's Cemetery, a lesser-known burial ground deep in the Bronx. Some speculate that Lewis buried her here so she could be put to rest with her mother. Others say that it was because plots were cheap and Lewis was greedy. Oh, it's that one. It's that one. It's that one, though. (laughs) It's option number two, thanks. That's the baby. Either way, it was discovered a year after her burial that she still didn't have a headstone. Oh, of course she didn't, because that's money. Because he would have had to pay for it. Public outrage ensued, and a collection was started up to buy her a headstone. Okay. Lewis objected, insisting that he was planning to move Billy and her mother's remains to a different section of the cemetery and erect a monument. And that never happened. You don't fucking say. Yeah. Honestly, this may have been a blessing in disguise. Billy and her mother now share a headstone in a secluded, quiet part of St. Raymond's. Finally, a woman who led a most tumultuous life, can now rest in peace and beauty. Okay. I mean, I guess. But fuck Louis McKay. And fuck, fuck ass liquor. Fuck them all. Actually, and fuck her mom. Like, I wish she was just mom. by herself. Yeah. Fuck her dad. Fuck her mom. Like, fuck nobody did anything for her. Nobody. This is a woman who no one did a fucking thing for. And she... all she wanted to do was just sing some fucking jazz. The only thing she had in her life that gave her any comfort was singing and drugs and alcohol. 
and everyone tried to take those things away from her. I mean, maybe the maybe the drugs take and away the drugs and alcohol, but don't just try and rip it away from her and tell her she's a horrible person for doing these things and not try to help her get away from it. I really need to know what happens to all these fucking people. Yeah. I, I we're going to go on a fucking deep We can do a bonus episode if we find anything <laughs> or we'll just talk about it in the Patreon episode. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Benefits to our Patreons. Patrons, patrons. But that's there's nothing about this story. When I opened this with it's hard out here for a bitch, I was just cuz like, oh, it's hard to oh, be it's a woman. Funny. But well, no, it's, not it's funny, fucking but hard it's out here. Fucking, like her life was nothing but turmoil and trauma. Yeah. And no one gave a fuck. And when she tried to self-medicate herself, everyone was like, no, you're a fucking horrible person for doing that. Well, what the fuck is she supposed to do? Because here's the thing. If it was a white man medicating himself, who cares? Yeah. But, oh, my God, woman. Oh, my God, black woman. I mean. Better not. Hank Williams drank himself to death, pretty much. And everyone was like, oh, but he's so great. Let him do it. He's Fine. He's Johnny a Cash white man. got caught across the border buying fucking opioids. Cash, and like they man. were like little wagons. Hey, don't you hey, do that. Don't you do I don't wanna see you do that again, wink wink, nudge nudge. Set a fucking forest on fire. <laughs> he did set a forest. He fucking on set fire. a forest on fire. Man wasn't chased down like Jean Valjean for his entire fucking life. Man, it's damn it feels good to be a white man. Yeah. Fight me. If if anybody's story proves that right, it's Billy Holiday's story. It's Billy fucking Holiday's story. This is really upsetting. Yeah. And what makes me sad is that like not enough people know her story. Everyone should know this story. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know it. I didn't either. And then I listened to an episode of uh the Throughline podcast mm. and I was like, holy fucking shit, her life was ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, they didn't even get into half of the stuff that I got into. Oh, shit. So, yeah, their their episodes are pretty quick. They they were pretty short. Yeah. And they talked to two people that were, like, experts in her life. Hmm. And, yeah, they, they, both of them were, like, she was just trying to live her life. And everyone was trying to prevent her from doing that. It's so fucked. So. And, yeah, and she was just constantly surrounded by these toxic people who wanted to re- use her for her mm-hmm. money. And she just wanted somebody to love her. So she fell into it over yeah. and over and over again and she just she's like can you just love me let me drink some booze and sing some jazz i'm happy yep she wasn't asking for much she really wasn't and considering how fucking horrific her childhood was oh my god why would anybody blame her for doing what she was doing yeah because they're assholes yeah because they're all bad and people. it's all her fault Every single ounce of it is her fault. Yeah, I mean, like, being a 10-year-old girl. How dare she be such a sexy child? (laughs) So gross. (laughs) Don't touch children. Don't force heroin on people. Don't Don't do do heroin. heroin. Just, guys, guys, these are some easy fucking rules here. They're very easy to follow. I don't think that we're asking for too much. No. No, we're not. Kids aren't sexy. This is, like, basic shit. That y'all need to get on this bandwagon. I mean, do we need to do a TED Talk? <laughs> I think we might. I think this is this is our TED Talk. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. <laughs> Just follow these simple rules and yeah. we'll all be fine. We'll all be fine. Jesus Christ. <sighs> so, yeah, let's wrap that up. Wow, I'm really upset right now. 
That's cool. I told you this is why we needed a trigger warning in the beginning. Yeah, there's nothing. The, the main reason, I think, for the trigger warning is there's no, there's no real happy ending to this. No, there isn't. Not at all. There's, Jesus. Can we learn from this, though? Like, yeah. treat women of color with a fucking little bit of respect. Can we stop treating them like they're lesser? Yeah. They're fucking people. They're doing the same shit we all are. They all want the same shit that we all want. Yeah. So. They aren't different than you. I promise. Mm -hmm. We're all the same. It's fine. (laughs) Knock that shit off. Also, if Angslinger. Anslinger. Anslinger is like your grandpa or great uncle or some shit. (laughs) Fuck your grandpa. Fuck your grandpa. We need to have some words. Yeah. How do you sleep at night? Yeah. Uh, so thank you all for listening. I'm sorry I made it a downer. Wow, yeah, you did. I was going to say. But, uh, I mean, I hope you leave this and learn something from it. And Yeah, and respect the ladies a little bit more. Yeah, respect this fucking woman, please. Yeah. Go out and listen to and some just, Billie Holiday. And ladies in general. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, like, women are just trying to do their thing, guys. And it's fine. Ladies are just trying to godsmack it. Yeah, no more Papa Roach in it. Let's just God smack it. <laughs> Maybe a bit better. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe like Creed higher. Oh, God. We're just trying to Creed it. No, I don't like that. All right. Well, I don't want to bring Creed into this. That's fair. No one does. Nobody Maybe, does. You know, it's about the women. Yeah. Let's Lizzo this shit. There you go. Hell yeah. Ugh. Right. Okay. Sorry. Shaking off the fucking moody blues here. <laughs> but, uh,. Again, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. If you guys have been digging what you're hearing, you should go to our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And over there, you can comment on episodes, listen to our other 108 episodes that we have. <laughs> We've got a lot. And also hook up to us on social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, why don't you just uh, slide on down, give us a nice little five-star rating. Maybe say, hey. Y'all are real cool. We need some reviews. That'd be nice. Yeah, we really do need some I'm feeling, new reviews. I'm feeling hungry for a review. Yeah. So Pay that'd be cool. attention to us. Notice us, please. <laughs> and also, if you want to give us a little of your moolah, you can go on over to patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast and donate some money to us and we will send you some fun stuff and every month you will get a bonus episode. And who doesn't want that? Everybody wants that. You want more of us. If there's anything you want more than Salinas, it's more of us. Yeah. I mean, like, we are a close second to Selena. We're not. No, Selena is far beyond us. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. Totally. And also a special thank you to our network, Pantheon Podcast. Yay. It's a one-stop shop, the MTV of music podcasts. You got everything over there. There are plenty of other lady podcasters that fucking deserve your love and respect so go do that so celebrate national women's day by going to pantheon podcast and listening to all the awesome ladies hell yeah shout out out to all the ladies that we podcast with on that network because they're pretty great seriously though most ladies aren't too bad (laughs) we do all right fast though there's a few that are okay pump the brakes maggie they're okay so we're okay we're just okay we are just okay Good we for are us. just all right with us. We just- are just all right. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and tune in next week for another story of a lady, and it's- hopefully no more blue moon. Oh, I don't want that. We aren't going to do this again. No, 
That was a mistake. I don't know if next week's beer is going to be better, but we're going to find out. <laughs> we'll try. We're going to try. Yep. And with that, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Party on, all you crazy kids out there. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just okay. He's just okay. He's just okay. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.